Welcome to the Grace for the Growth podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Leo. The goal of this podcast is to encourage you on your own growth journey by empowering you to live your life with authenticity, freedom, and confidence. We will get real and raw as we dive into honest conversations about life, faith, business, relationships, dating, healing, and so much more. My goal is that you would walk away from our time together feeling a little less alone, a little less crazy, and a little more brave to be yourself. I hope you will find yourself more compassionate to past you, challenged as present you, and excited for future you. Embrace the story. Welcome the messy of it all. Sit in the unknown. And most importantly, live authentically. So pull up a chair in my virtual living room and let's dive into today's conversation. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Grace for the Growth. I'm very excited about today's conversation. I have Bob Wheatley here, and we just got introduced uh, by a common friend. Um, I was on her podcast, and she was on mine, and we were sitting and talking, and she was like, hey, I really think that you have some alignment and purpose and passion with Bob, and so you need to get to know him. And so we've just connected, and um, you're an author, which I know we're going to talk about your book. And I've had the opportunity to read your book this week. And so I'm so excited for this conversation and for our listeners to get introduced. So welcome, Bob, to the Grace for the Growth podcast. And thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you for the opportunity. Of course. So if people don't know who you are, if this is their first introduction to you, give us a little backstory. Tell us who you are. Um, who, who Who makes Bob who he is today? What makes Bob who he is today? Yeah, sure. So I grew up in the church. I'm originally from Southern California. I moved to Nashville about five and a half years ago, 2018. And I would have told you that I was a Christian for basically my entire life. Mm-hmm. I was baptized when I was young, probably 12 or 13. I went to a Christian middle school, went to a Christian high school. Instead of having my last name on the football and baseball jerseys, it was literally a cross. So it was like, okay, showing all the outward signs of being a Christian, you know, pray before dinner, pray before you go to bed, and basically try to keep the law. And yet, I don't know if I was a Christian. I don't mm. think I was. If, if Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I'm not sure if I loved him hmm. because he doesn't put limits on that, that. He doesn't say, if you love me, you obey my commandments, dot, 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 that are easy for you or that you really <laughs> enjoy or yeah. that coincide with your plan for life. It's like, no, if you love me, you will let me be your master. Hmm. And I can definitively say he he wasn't my master. I didn't allow him to be. And so I was a an athlete my whole life. I was a baseball player, football player, and you know, I ended up playing collegiately at the University of Southern California, my dream school. My parents met there, so I always dreamed of growing up to be a USC Trojan baseball player or football player, whatever it was. And I kind of had this journey pre-written. Because again, my parents met there. My dad was a basketball player. My mom was a cheerleader there. So just like storybook. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And so I grew up in that house. It was like, okay, well, this is how life operates. Like we're all Christians. Because remember, we prayed at dinner tonight. So we're good there. And then I'll just go to USC and you know meet my wife and play ball and white picket fence happily ever after. And 
that wasn't how things turned out. Obviously, there was a ton of uh, immaturity, lies, a lot of a lot of worldly thinking. I was not setting my mind on things above. I was setting my mind on the story I saw my parents live. Mm. And so fortunately, I ended up playing a couple of years of professional baseball. I played for the Toronto Blue Jays, played for the St. Louis Cardinals. I was never like a world-class baseball player, but I was I was decent. And so I'm tall, I'm left-handed. That always helps as a pitcher. And so yes. I ended up getting <laughs> drafted by the Toronto Blue Jays my senior year. I was a 26-round draft pick. I was number 774 overall. So it's not like, oh, wow, she's got Bob Wheatley on the podcast. Like, he's something awesome. No, it was 774 overall. They paid me $1,000. So it's far from you know, this, this amazing, uh, baseball career, mm-hmm. but it meant a lot to me. It was something that I really worked hard for and worked a long time for. I think there was some idolatry in there for sure, because mm-hmm. we all have these longings and there's a bunch of different degrees of that. But like, as, as a man, I want to be validated. I want to see power and strength. I want to see, uh, everybody wants to see good things coming into Mm -hmm. their lives. And so if you talk to me at 21, 22, the big leagues was the ticket to get there. Yeah. It was money. It was fame. And I like, even, even today I'm no longer playing baseball, but like in, in me, in my heart, I have always had zero desire to be famous. Mm -hmm. Zero. Mm -hmm. I'm an introvert. I love walking around the supermarket and taking a half hour to pick out my vegetables. Like I, I would not want to be famous at all. I think that sounds really, really challenging. So I wasn't doing baseball for that. For me, it was more of the, all right, this is a mountain that I want to climb. Mm-hmm. And once I get there, once I get to the top, I want to be able to look down and say, oh, I did it. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. No way of saying that. I am awesome. Right. <laughs> you know, I, just, I wanted to feel that validation. And so baseball was the mountain I was climbing. And again, the problem is it was all under the guise of being a Christian. Because remember, Christian middle school, Christian high school, cross on the yeah. back of the jersey, prayer before dinner. It's like, hey, we're good. We're good there. Yeah, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. But like, there are some that I don't really like. So... I believe that I, I truly became a Christian when I was 25 years old is the last year of my professional career. And I was really convicted on sin, really convicted. And it was, I mean, I keep repeating it, but it was that verse where, you know, I, I'd studied scripture first period of the day, every day for six years was Christian learning. So I kind of, you know, I kind of pulled the Bible verses out of a hat. They're all, you know, they're tucked away in my subconscious. <laughs> so I'd heard these things before, but that just really struck me where it's like, whoa, I might not love him. Hmm. Cause you can, you can say you do, you can yeah. say you love somebody, but actions truly speak louder than words. Yeah. And that that's a biblical statement. That's not a, an American 21st century wisdom statement. Like you shall know them by their fruit. Yes. A good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree and there are those produces bad fruit. Yeah. So I was really convicted around sin. I was really convicted around, look man, are you going to be who you say you are 
Mm-hmm. Or are you just going to keep talking? And so I cleaned up my life in a lot of ways, a lot of ways, like how I pursue women, the music I listen to, the TV shows I watch or don't watch. Yeah. I, I'd, I had to give up some stuff that I love. It's like, oh, this is awesome. This makes me feel so good. Like, because <laughs> it it does feel good. Sin does feel good. Yeah. In the moment. Yeah. But it was taking that long-term perspective and frankly, bowing the knee. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, I, I, I keep praying to you and calling you Lord. And yet I, I haven't given you that authority over my life. I think that like we throw that word out there in prayer. That's not something that we use as Americans because we don't, we don't have that relationship anymore. It is literally the slave and master relationship. So we throw out this Lord, like it's, you know, Jesus's last name almost, or like, you know, some new moniker for God. It's like, no, Lord means master. Yeah. Complete authority. He says, go right. You go right. He says, go left. You go left. Mm Mm-hmm. That's what a Lord does. Yeah. And so I believe he truly became my Lord when I surrendered, when I bowed the knee at 25. And then my life completely transformed Yeah. after that, where I had been this big league dream chasing business building. I was a business major at USC. I was running a protein bar business while I was playing in the minor league. So I was like, all right, I have plan B already ready to go. Yeah. I'd been in a three-year relationship, starting college, spilled over into my years professionally. That relationship ended. So it was like baseball, business fails, uh, lose the girl in a pretty ugly and painful way. Yeah. And this was all in the summer of 17, like right after I had been convicted of sin. Wow. And then it was like, I was completely heartbroken but also fortunately completely available. My schedule was wide open, <laughs> wide open. And yeah. my heart was just like in shambles. So I prayed some pretty audacious prayers and not really knowing it at the time. It was just like out of desperation, like, Hey God, here's my life. Yeah, I'll, I'll say yes to whatever you want me to do. I'm in because I've proven I'm not a very good quarterback of my life. I'm not a very good author of my story. Yeah. I'd love to hand it over to you. What do you say? Yeah. And of course, that's that's what God wants for all of us, right? Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Yeah. And so for me, that was in the summer of 2017 when I was 25. After I would have told you I was a Christian for 10, 15 years. Yeah. That's when I truly became a Christian. Wow. Because when that happens, when the Holy Spirit indwells you, there is a a radical shift. Where let's say you were hanging out with people in high school and college, whatever, they haven't seen you in eight years. You come back to some sort of, you know, get together or some party. They're like, you are a totally different dude. You talk different. You look different. You feel different. What happened? Oh, I became a Christian. (laughs) It's like a light switch. Yeah. And I am, I am so glad that I was broken and disappointed enough to surrender. That's really where everything started. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's incredible story. You know, you're not the first person I've talked to that has a transformational moment in the summer of 2017. For me, like I that's part of my story is the summer of 2017 is a huge moment of surrender as well. And I've yeah. talked to multiple people that have very similar stories. So Lord was doing something in summer 2017 to a bunch of us, like good gracious. I, I he guess was, so. He was working. There's just yeah. some coincidence, but he neither slumbers nor sleeps. Oh, there you go. He was working hard that year. I want to jump into your book. Your book is called our hearts desire, how our stories reveal the thing we want most. Mm-hmm. And I've had the opportunity to read it. Um, I, got through it in pretty much one sitting. Um, It's an incredible book. And really, so I am a a former communications major and business major. I learned, I took screenwriting in college. I learned how to do all the stuff, like literally the analysis of story writing and the different characters and the hero and the love interest and all that kind of stuff. What are the components of a good story? Like I took tests on those things. And so I really enjoyed this book, not just for the really awesome movie references, but really what you do is you invite us into this place saying, hey, one of the reasons why we are so drawn to stories and entertainment and pop culture and, you know, the guy gets the girl and the villain, you know, gets leaves and gets destroyed and the hero arises and all these things. The reason why we're so drawn to these stories is because the gospel is written in this format, in this story. And so in your book, you talk about um, I want to I want to really just kind of uh, open the floor with whatever whatever you want to share about it. But um, what I love is you. I think a lot of times we talk about God being the author of our story and we talk about God being you know, the lover of our life. Like we're, we're the bride of Christ, but we don't often talk about both of them at the same time. And you invite us into this space. I love how you structure the book. You structure the book by giving us background about letting us know who these characters are, the author, the hero, the love interest, the enemy, all of these things. And then you walk us through the problem that they face, the internal struggle that they have, and then the reinstating this new world order. And so you kind of walk us through each of these sections. I'm doing like a fast overview of it and you're, you're, the, you're the pro of this. <laughs> keep, so keep you going. can correct I'll, me. I'll, I'll sit back here. You're doing great. But, but, <laughs> but what I just loved about it is so many things is, is one, if you are a lover of stories, if you are a lover of Hollywood and pop culture and all of these references, first of all, you you mentioned like 30 different movies and 30 different stories like that you weave together back and forth, which I'm obsessed with. But the other thing is you walk through this and it's almost like you're giving us an education course on the development of stories and the development of character, but you're putting it side by side with the gospel, right? So so tell us a little bit about how this came to be. And, and especially, so a lot of our listeners here are, are walking through, we're in grace for the growth. And so part of that is to embrace our story and to understand that our story makes us who we are and there are highs and lows and ups and downs. And there are different chapters to our stories and there's no chapter that's in vain. Sometimes our chapters are setting the stage. They're the premise chapters, right? They're, they're all of these moments. And it's very easy for us to sit there and go, man, like, Where's God in this? If God's the author of my story, like, where is he at in this moment? Like, I don't see him in this. So 
So really, I just, I want to talk about this and just hear from you. What led you to create this? And maybe when, and maybe also talk about when we talk about stories and we talk about our life being a story and our life being inserted into the story of the gospel and the story of the Bible, like what does this teach us about our lives and most importantly about our relationship with the Lord? Yeah. Definitely. First of all, I think your your recap was just nailed. So I, I can tell <laughs> that you've you. done a lot of study on stories and stuff like that. Some of it might have been slightly new for you, but yeah, you were you were all over that. So that's awesome. But yeah, Thank as you. far as as far as the book, what is it? Um, I basically told the Bible through stories. Mm-hmm. What I believe is that the gospel should not be complicated. It truly isn't complicated. In fact, like we look at the subtitle of the book, Our Heart's Desire how our stories reveal the thing we want most. Mm -hmm. I truly believe that our favorite movies, novels, Broadway shows are whispers of the deeper desire, our truest desire to love God, to know him, to be known by him, to be with him forever, to return to Eden. That's what our deepest desire is. It's not about mm-hmm. the next episode of Yellowstone or something or like, <laughs> Hey, who, like which Avenger rollout are we going to see next? Right. The story that you laid out, you have the, every story has an author. Every story has a hero. That's the protagonist, the main character of that story. And that can be a female as well. Like Katniss Everdeen is the hero, the protagonist of the Hunger Games. So mm. you have a hero, you have a love interest, and then you have an enemy. And so the way that that story unfolds, and I was clear in the, in the book as well, there are some stories that don't fit this mold. That's right. totally fine. Like a horror story or something like that. But I am saying the master story, we'll just call it the love story. Mm-hmm. That is 100% written on our hearts. Yeah. We have a basic understanding of how we begin, the mess in the middle, how we're supposed to end. If we don't get that ending, we're like, oh, terrible movie. And they blew that ending, right? That is because we're human. Yeah, We're human beings created in the image of God. God wants us to know the gospel. Now, the Great Commission, we have to go out and share the gospel, but when it lands on good soil, when it lands on a heart that is open to it, that heart is prepared. It's written on their heart to where it's like, yeah, that is what I want. Like mm-hmm. I, I do have this longing to live in paradise. Can you tell me why that is? Yeah. It's like, yes, we can. Here's why. If what the Bible says is true and you, me, anyone listening to this, like you, you just have to make a decision on, on scripture. Mm-hmm. Is it the truth? Mm-hmm. Is it true? If it is, it is that exact story. Hero, villain, love interest. You start in paradise. That paradise is undone. The entire story, the entire thing is trying to restore that paradise Yeah. to the glory of the hero. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, to me... Uh, getting back to your original question, like how did this start? I did my own study of stories as well. I had started and stopped on a couple of awful books that will <laughs> never see the light of day. Great practice, but not great reading. And so I was studying stories. I was studying how do you create a world? How do you build a character? What does all that look like? And I was also reading scripture, reading a ton of scripture. I have a mentor here in Nashville, he and I have read the Bible in a year, cover to cover the last five years, like this year, 2023 will be year six. So that doesn't mean that I'm an expert on scripture. I would never claim that. I didn't go to seminary. I don't lead a church. I am led by those people. 
Like right. I am being pastored. However, yes. what that does mean reading the Bible cover to cover every year, I am constantly reminding myself of the master story that God has written. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read Genesis. I'm going to read Revelation every year. Mm-hmm. And as I did that, while I was studying stories, characters, world building, stuff like that, and kind of zoomed out. And Courtney, you know, this, this is a chapter one of the book. Yeah. I'm reading a science fiction novel. It's the same story, hero, villain, love interest, start in paradise and in paradise. Mm-hmm. The hero wins the girl. And I'm like, why am I so moved by this moment? I knew it was going to happen. Yeah. I knew it was going to happen. Like, of course it's going to happen. And yet I'm still cheering for it. It still feels good. It feels yeah. right. It feels mm-hmm. true. This is, this is the thing that is supposed to happen. Why is that? And yeah. then I look at my nightstand. There's my Bible sitting there. I'm like, wait, it's the same story. Yeah. Paradise, paradise, hero, villain, love interest, an author that controls it all. And so by looking at the gospel, which is really just a story of human history, what has mm-hmm. happened and what will happen, that's the gospel. Yeah. Like, tell the story. That's the gospel. Go out and yeah. tell the story of God. By looking at it that way, it actually helped me to wrestle with some of the really difficult things of doctrine. Like, how do you reconcile predestination, which is a, a very clear doctrine, a piece in scripture, like God has, we are called the chosen, right? Before the beginning of the world. How do you reconcile that with free will? Hmm. That's interesting. Hmm. If God is completely sovereign and nothing is outside of his control, then how does evil exist? Is God yeah. doing it? Is he allowing it? Hmm. How do we make sense of that? Yeah. And so, yeah, you talked about the, the, the way I laid it on, out in the book, those two natures of God. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about the Trinity, Father, Son, Spirit. I'm saying, right. how does he interact with us? Yeah. There's two ways. He is the author above the story, mm-hmm. sovereignty. I am the God who was and is and is to come. Like mm-hmm. that's the author in him. Mm-hmm. He's also the hero. Mm-hmm. He is a participant in the story. That's how yeah. a God who is timeless can say something like, I'm jealous or I'm mm-hmm. angry mm-hmm. or says in the, in the gospels, the Pharisees rejected God's will for their life. Well, how do you reject the author's will for your life? Like the author, right. every single word that I wrote in our heart's desire was strategic. There's yeah. nothing that got away from me. There wasn't a single character on the page as like, oh man, forget Bob. We're going to do something different. Like <laughs> I controlled literally everything in that book. Right. That's what an author does. Yes. A hero does not. A hero is participating in that. So if you take some of your yeah. favorite stories, like let's take Star Wars, for example, just because it's a you know very famous thing. Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. And again, sorry, spoiler alert. If you haven't seen Star Wars, <laughs> I think it came out in 1978. So, you know, we've had 40 something years, whatever that math is. So Luke Skywalker, right? It's a lot longer than 40, I think. 50 plus. Yeah. Enough enough to watch it. So Luke Skywalker blows up the Death Star, right? That's kind of like the momentous, oh man, like, you know, we all, we all get what we want. So my question in the free will uh, line of questioning would be, was that his choice? Hmm. Did Luke Skywalker have complete autonomy to make that decision? 
Yeah. And literally everybody's like, yeah, like, of course he did. Yeah. He's using the force and stuff, but he, he chose to do that. Right. He blew up the Death Star. You then follow up that question with, but did he also not have, can, can it also not be argued that he had zero control over that because George Lucas was sitting at his desk writing that story. Right. Like that, that's the paradox where it's like within the story, which is where we are. Like I'm, I'm sitting here looking at you, you're wearing a, you know, a striped shirt today. Mm -hmm. Totally within your control is your decision. Like you weren't like, you didn't audibly loudspeaker. God's like, Hey, striped shirt. Today's the day <laughs> you chose that. Right. You're right. It was also written from the beginning of time. All the mm -hmm. days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be Psalm 139. Yeah. So it's that for, for me as somebody who like, I care about the lofty things of God and, you know, reading scripture and understanding and doctrine and stuff like that. It's the, it's the Lutheran in me. I also want to keep things really simple. Yeah. That is biblical. Yeah. Where Jesus says, Lord, thank you that you made this accessible to babes. Mm -hmm. Thank you that you are here, Father, to shame the wise. Mm -hmm. Because like I said, the gospel should be simple. So we can talk about George Lucas and Luke Skywalker and get it because like that, that truth is written on our heart. We don't need to go to seminary to like really understand. It's like, no, let's, what is the subtitle? How our stories reveal the thing we want most. You yeah. know what you want. Yeah. You do. It's not the job. It's not the flush bank account. It's not just the marriage. Yeah. All of those things are good things, but they're not ultimate things. Mm -hmm. And so if we translate that into, into story, I would just, just pay attention to the narratives that you like, the narratives yeah. that move you when you're in a down place. Like what, what kind of things do you watch, listen to, read? Mm -hmm. It's revealing something deeper. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I have said for years that the Lord speaks to me through the most random things ever. I remember, and I'm going to reveal something about myself. I remember being in high school and having like such a deep, profound, like Holy Spirit, God sees me moment listening to the high school musical soundtrack. Like it's just, it's a story of that. It was in that moment that there was something going on between the highs and lows of the story that I needed to hear in that moment that I needed to see in that moment. And so I think a few things, what I, what I loved is I think for me, I, a lot of times think about God being the author and that God has written my story and through time, it is that story is being revealed to me and revealed to us over time. And I love that you talk about, you know, well, how does, how do I, how do I justify like evil and like, is God making evil happen? Is he, is he writing evil? Like all of that stuff, like you talk about that. I'm not going to, you know, go through all of that, but you talk about that. But one thing that really stuck with me, and I think especially um, just in the season of life that I'm in, like I'm single, I have a lot of single listeners on here. You know, you talk specifically about the love interests and the pursuit and all of that. And one theme and one message that we talk a lot about here is the value that comes when we not only see ourselves, but we see ourselves in 
through the eyes of the Lord and through the eyes of our the ultimate lover of our soul. So no matter what we're facing in our relationship status, in our pursuit, in not, in heartbreak, and all of those things that that we feel seen and we feel loved in that. And so what I loved about, I'm like have up right now that that chapter when you're talking about the love interest and you're talking about how how the love interest helps reveal the hero's purpose and how that love interest is what causes the hero to move. It isn't, um, I'm going to read this quote specifically, the love interest is not the protagonist, but she is in fact the change agent. She is the catalyst. Yes, the story is is told through the life of the hero, but the love interest will serve as his fuel. And to think of ourselves as a moment, to think of ourselves as the the apple of the Lord's eye, the apple of God's eye, to say, hey, the story of the gospel and God's pursuit of our heart and who we are, like there's a longing for who we are. Like he loves us. Like we are not just pawns and we are not just characters that he's like, let me just make this thing happen. Like we are are just so valuable in his eyesight. And and you talk a little bit in in as you set up the book about you know, page 364. And if anybody reads it, they'll know what they ma- that means. But you talk about how there are these moments in our life, there are these trigger moments in our life that we're like, God, like, where are you? Where is my story? Where is it? And I'm not just talking about our, our love stories and marriage. Like, that's not totally what I'm talking about. But no matter what it is, the heartbreak, the job, the loss of a dream, the failure of a business, like the God, where are you bit of it? And seeing how at the end of the day, like we have this beautiful love story as the bride of Christ that we are so seen in his eyes. And and what I, you invite readers into in this space is like, I think a lot of times we're like, be the, be the main character in your story, right? Be the main character in your story. And what you invite us into is actually realizing that we are the love interest in our story. So I wonder if you can expand maybe a little bit on that thought and, and how how we're not the main character in the story, but we're the love interest in the story. And how does, how do we interact with the hero of our story in that way? Yeah. It's really a complete paradigm shift because Mm -hmm. you're, you're exactly right in that we are taught, whether it's as Americans or myself as an athlete, or even as, as a man, it's like, you are the hero. You're supposed Mm -hmm. to be the hero. Go out and get it. American dream. First one in last one out. Like it's control the controllables. You hear all these like self-talk type things, which is putting you at the center of your own universe. Mm -hmm. And I'll say this, sometimes it can work. It Mm -hmm. totally can work. It just depends on what your goal is. If your goal is to be a great athlete, if your goal is to build some amazing business, you might get what you want. Hmm. what I believe if that is the the loftiest goal that you've had, you have, you've set bad goals. Yeah. Like you are not setting your mind on things above at all. You're saying, I want a statue of myself in front of some arena. It's like, uh, cool. I mean, I guess there are books for that. Like you can, maybe you could even accomplish that. And there's very few humans alive who can say that. Mm -hmm. And that does nothing to solve your sin problem. Hmm. That does nothing to fix your standing with God. So the paradigm shift for me as that American male athlete who had been coached to to believe that I was the hero of my own story, 
again, all it was, was reading scripture. It's like, I'm reading a lot of things that are saying, I am not the main character of this story. Mm-hmm. And in one sense, like in a micro story, Hey, you know, Courtney's journaling, here's what happened today. Like you, you are at the center of your, you know, Wednesday. Right. Right. But I think where we get into trouble is when we refuse to zoom out and look at the entire story, mm-hmm. your entire story or your 80 to hundred years here on earth. But even bigger than that, like the, the master story, I was just talking about this with my small group the other night. Like, think about this. There was a time when you did not exist. Mm-hmm. Like you were, you weren't even a thing. You were zero, mm-hmm. nothing. We call that the 1960s, the 1940s, <laughs> the 1800s, like thousands of years where you and I d- weren't, did not exist mm-hmm. and life was fine. The world kept on spinning because mm-hmm. we were born into a story as a supporting character mm-hmm. about God. Mm-hmm. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever mm-hmm. realizes that he or she is actually a supporting character in the gospel you will find your life. Mm -hmm. Things will start to make sense. Mm -hmm. The opposite of that verse, whoever keeps his life will lose it. Whoever thinks he's the hero, he's the protagonist. Yeah, he might have his statue in front of an arena, but he will lose his life. Mm -hmm. He'll miss heaven. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's a total paradigm shift in realizing there's so much freedom in that too. Mm-hmm. It's a humbling thing for sure. It's not easy to wake up and say, I can't wait to be a supporting character today. <laughs> that that completely goes against our flesh. Mm-hmm. However, that is a that that is literally a spiritual decision. It's a spiritual moment. We're like, God, I be- I believe it. I believe that what you say in the Bible is true. I believe these things really happened. That Jesus was a man who walked the earth, who died. The tomb was empty. And I believe that matters. Yeah. I believe I will be with you one day. I believe that the wicked will be punished. I believe that you'll wipe away every tear. I am choosing to believe it because mm-hmm. I was born in the 1900s. I haven't seen Jesus with my own eyes. I am trusting based off of my evidence, based off of working out your faith with fear and trembling. It's a lot of data, a lot of data, God, that says you're real. And even more so, I want you to be real. Mm -hmm. The God that I meet in scripture, who, I mean, his, his mercy knows no end. His mercy is new every morning. Yeah. I want that God to be real. That is the greatest reality. If yeah. God doesn't exist and we're just kind of spinning our wheels here and we all have, you know, a hundred trips around the sun and then we call it a day, what a, what a terrible, meaningless existence. Truly. Like it's not even, it's not even a funny thing. Like we'll come and go, we'll die. And then we go back to zero and we won't even remember the good things that we had. So we mm-hmm. were like, you're doing sex, drugs, rock and roll. You're chasing all the amazing things. Then you die at a hundred. I lived an amazing life. And then it goes to zero. It's like control, alt, delete. It's gone. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? The only existence, the only reality that I would be excited about is if what the Bible says is true. 
It's the only one. Yeah. Because what God promises, what the Bible promises is amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. It's better than the American dream. Yeah. It's better than the statue in front of the arena. Mm-hmm. And the, the Bible literally says that the heart of man has not conceived what is waiting for us in heaven. Yeah. And we, that our mind literally cannot compute yeah. what God has prepared for us. I'm on board with that. Yeah. But again, going back to, to what you shared, if we continue thinking that we're the hero of our story and we're kind of like looking up and shaking our fists at God, like, Hey, like, why are you, why are you doing your protagonist dirty? You know? Yeah. yeah. That that's missing it. It yeah. is. And again, it's a humbling thing. I don't want to like make light of it and say like, Oh, well like just get over yourself and realize you're the supporting character and then everything will make sense. We still have disappointments. Yeah. We still have setbacks, heartbreaks, all that stuff. But what those do is they give us a reason to hope. Mm -hmm. I think about that verse where, again, speaking about heaven says that every tear will be wiped away. Yeah. means we will have tears on earth. In this world, you will have trouble. So if we didn't, I think Paul talks about this in Romans, I think it's Romans 3, but he's saying, look, you don't have everything you need or want right now. Yeah. You just don't, you don't. He says, if you have everything that you're hoping in, this is a paraphrase. I don't remember the exact verse. If you have what you're hoping in, there's no hope. There's no need to hope. You're you're already there. So this hope that we have of a paradise restored and things like that, that's because that is our future. Like our hope is not in some sort of worldly circumstance changing. Now -hmm. God might do that and he absolutely does, but the marriage, the bank account, the promotion, whatever we're saying like, oh, this is the thing. It might give us like a momentary cup of water, but it doesn't do the whole thing. Yeah. And so our heart is wired for perfection. That's, I think we need to be okay with realizing we're going to have that longing. Yeah. Like forever mm-hmm. until we're with him. Mm-hmm. Like there's going to be a part of you, if, if you're really a true Christian, right? This isn't an unbeliever who's doing the sex, drugs, and rock and roll, or just living like the, the pagan married life, like, you know, playing golf every day. The true Christian, that desire never, never leaves you. Like that's why Paul can say far better to depart, far better to die and be with the Lord, but I'm going to stick around and spread the gospel because that's what God has called me to. Yeah. It's, and it's funny because those are the stories that we tell. Yeah. The ending in paradise. Mm -hmm. So like I said at the beginning, the gospel is not complicated. Yeah. It's not supposed to be. That's why you can watch the hunger games or the dark Knight, saving private Ryan, Mm -hmm. the matrix all these different Cinderella, like it, it just goes on and on and on. It's the yeah. gospel. Yeah. Put on by Pixar. Like it, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's the gospel put on by Marvel Studios. <laughs> yeah. We, we want to know God. Mm-hmm. That is our deepest desire. Yeah. Yeah. And we have, we have, someone who's pursuing us and we have somebody who has shifted the story has shifted who's 
sent his son who has made sacrifices on our behalf to pursue our hearts, to allow us to be the catalyst and the receiving end of his love. Like we don't have to have it all together. We're not the hero. We're, we don't have to have everything figured out. We get to sit and yes, we have, we have things that, that we are responsible to do and things that we are asked to do as children of God. But we also get to sit in this life and say, no, like there is something about being pursued by the Father and like the Lord sees me and he sees my heart and he's moved he's moved history and he's come and he's sacrificed and resurrected and all this stuff for me. I'm on the receiving end of that. And what a beautiful a beautiful place to be that if we're the hero of humanity, then then the story stops and ends with our life, but we are a part of the overall story of humanity and eternity that starts in Eden and ends in eternity. And and then it doesn't end in eternity. It goes on and on. You know what I'm saying? Like we're, we're a part of the whole story. Like you were saying earlier, like my story starts when I was conceived. Like that's when my story starts. God knew it was coming, but like that's where my story starts, but I am woven in to the story of humanity and the story of the gospel that started long before me and will continue long after my time on earth and and I will continue to be a part of in, in eternity. And so it really, like you said, is this humbling place of understanding that I don't have to have everything together because I'm not the hero. That weight and that responsibility of that, I, I don't have to sit in that. I can sit and I can receive God's pursuit of my heart, God's God's being not just the hero, but but also then being the author and and writing my story for me. Like I can sit and I can sit in surrender and obedience and peace and truth in that. And so I just I loved your book. It was an easy read. It was a fun read, but also it was just such a great reminder of the overall story of the gospel from start to finish and and what it will be like when paradise is restored um, and what that will be like. And so um, I'm just, I'm so thankful for it. I'm thankful for your time and I'm so glad that you wrote this. And I really believe that, that people will be blessed. Like y'all, the links will be in the show notes. Go pick it up for sure. Um, but before we leave, Bob, if you were going to share any last minute encouragement, maybe somebody who is sitting there and saying, you know, I I haven't viewed myself in this story the right way, or, you know, I've got some, I got some things shifted and, and where would you encourage them? Maybe either to start or maybe even shifting their mindset in this place of understanding how, how are our hearts really desire and long for this ultimate story? How would you encourage somebody who is like, okay, light bulb moment. What do I do now? Yeah, I, I would say just like a, a tweetable takeaway. I would just say, go deeper, go deeper, like close your door, maybe pull out a, a pen and a piece of paper, or even you just think, go find a park bench and like go deeper, turn off the phone. Don't need a podcast. Obviously you're listening to us here, but like take a break, <laughs> give yourself some space and ask yourself what you really want. And I'm not saying like, oh, I want a house that has a, a two car garage and you know a city view and I wanna be on a beach or like, not, not those wants, those are like smaller. I'm talking like emotionals. I'm talking like, what do you yearn for? Mm-hmm. What do you long for? Go deeper. 
And what I'd imagine you'll find, because if you're listening to this, you're probably a human, you want love, you want safety, security, you want affection, you want purpose, you delight in seeing powerful things, you delight in seeing justice. And you probably have a specific narrative that you say is good and right and true. That's the first thing I would say, just, just, you have, you have to make it your own. Like I'm sitting here with you, Courtney, and we we're nodding our heads and saying like, yeah, this is what we believe too. But everybody, everyone's faith is an individual faith. Everyone's relationship with God is an individual relationship. So I would say, take some time and allow yourself to get vulnerable and say, what are the things that I really want? What do I want to see? Mm-hmm. And then a, a lighter homework exercise, like go enjoy a story, go watch yeah. a movie, go read a book, go buy a ticket for a Broadway show, something like that. And as you're sitting there watching, reading, listening, whatever it might be, just start to pay attention to, okay, like what, what's going on here? All right. Main mm-hmm. character. I see it. Villain. I see it. Why, why is all of the audience just like on board with this? Yeah. Like start paying attention to some of the consistencies that you see. And then, you know, if you're, if you're a Bible reader, I'd imagine what I fully believe is it's, it's in there. Like Mm -hmm. all those things, the hero, villain, love interest, the, she doubts it, he proves it, her redemption, Mm -hmm. his reward. Like you have all these motifs in story. You see it all the time. It's a million different faces and yet it still works. Yeah. We still consume it. We're like, yes, give me more of that. Her redemption, his reward. Why? Because that's what we want our story to be. If what the Bible says is true, that's exactly what it will be. So yeah, I'd say go deeper personally. And then homework assignment number two, go enjoy a story, which let's call it like it is. You already do. (laughs) Right. It's going to be just going to be on a deeper level. Yes. Yes. That's so great. Well, thank you so much for your time and for this conversation. If people want to connect with you further, if they want to get their hands on this resource, this book, um, what is the best way for people to connect with you, learn more about you, and then of course, grab a copy of this book? Yeah. So the best place to connect is probably on Instagram, just at Bob Wheatley. As far as finding the book, you could go to my website, bobwheatley.com. It's also available on Amazon. And if you order a hard copy of the book, Courtney, I don't even know if you've done this. I know you have your book right there on the desk. There's a QR code in the first couple pages. You can scan it and then you have a free audiobook. So Amazing. if you're the audiobook at the gym person, you have a long commute and you're not tired of my voice after these 40 <laughs> minutes, you have another five hours waiting for you. So yeah, bobwheatley.com or Amazon. Yes. And you narrate the book. It's not some ghost, ghost audio book. It's your voice. So it it was me. Yep. (laughs) We get your inflection. We get your authenticity. Well, thank you so much for your time and for sharing your story and really just inviting us into this paradigm shift and this new perspective of the gospel. Um, and I just, yeah, thank you for your time. It was great to chat with you and, um, And yeah, I just appreciate you being here. Yeah, thank you so much. This has been great. Amazing. All right, guys, this wraps up this episode of Grace for the Growth. I hope that this episode makes you feel a little less alone and a little more seen um, in your daily life and everything that you're facing today. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye.
Thanks for listening to the Grace for the Growth podcast with Courtney Leo. I hope that this conversation encouraged you and inspired you on your own growth journey and as you pursue a life full of authenticity and freedom. I want to encourage you to interact with us on social media at Grace for the Growth and at Courtney Y. Leo. Also, if you've got any ideas, way that these episodes have impacted you or encouraged you, I want to invite you to either DM us or email us at hello at graceforthegrowth.com. Until next time, I challenge you to embrace your story, welcome the messy, sit in the unknown, and live authentically. Bye-bye now.